0: You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. we've got some business to handle. And as we've been sharing with you all moment, we've been talking about the deeper experience in our walk with Jesus Christ. And joining us this morning, Ron Block. He is the author of a great book. It's a 40-day devotional called Abiding Dependence, Living Moment by Moment in the Love of God. And so joining us now, Ron Block, uh, we're glad that you're able to get in touch with us this morning and connect. It's a Friday. I know you're ready for the weekend as we are, but boy, we are ready to walk closer with the Lord. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Well, we're very glad because this is a really great resource, as I've been going through it uh, and taking a look at many of the days that you have written about here. It's really about that deeper experience with God himself and this abiding dependence that we have to have upon him. And this, I'm sure, has been something that has guided you throughout your life and career. Share a little bit about where this all began for you. How did this come about?
1: Well, my mother was a um, believer. She became a believer when I was about two, and she had had a pretty terrible childhood. So I grew up with a different mother than my two brothers did. Mm. And uh, so I grew up in her love, and she took me to church, and I remember singing the hymns and all that. So I was going to church very early. I went forward at six but I didn't really get any kind of revelation. You know, God was more like Zeus to me, right? The angry, wrathful God when I was little. And uh, at 17, a friend said, We're saved by trusting God, Ron. We're not saved by what we do and don't do. <laughs> so that was that was revelatory, and I'd been reading the Bible my whole life, and everything just kind of went boom, and I could understand. So that was the beginning of... Uh, of of the journey but as i played music as i began to play music in my teens um you know i, I had had stuff in my childhood that was not easy so i began to hook my self worth into my music yeah and anytime we hook our self worth and we've all done it anytime we hook our self worth into something in this world our self worth is going to fluctuate because everything in this world fluctuates it goes up and down so I joined. Uh, by the time I joined Allison's band, uh, I felt great because you know I was validated, right? I was worth something, and uh, and but what goes up must come down. A few years later, I was you know basically depressed and kind of internally crashing, and I had to search out my identity in Christ, and so that was the beginning of all this. Um, it's gone from a thing called identity in Christ to realizing. It's not a, something called an identity in Christ. It's about Jesus. It's a person that lives inside of you yeah. 100, 100% of the time and 100%. So it's, it's, it's become more and more about recognizing him in the mirror, looking and seeing Jesus, that he lives inside me, that he's present, that God is present with me at all times. Yeah. He's omnipres- omnipresent.
0: You know, Ron, your story is not far off from what so many people experience. Like you said, we all do this. We attach our identity to something. And it's very simple uh, for us to attach the meaning of our life to what it is that we do with our hand. And for you, that is stringed instruments. And, of course, uh, you've had a very successful uh, musical career. You've worked with some of the biggest names in the industry. And God has blessed you abundantly in that area. And it's not unlike uh, a conversation earlier that, Carrie, uh, (laughs) as I was going through this, thinking of this uh, just a couple of minutes ago, uh, Eric and I had a conversation about Gloria Gaynor, who is, you know, speaking out right now. You know, for years, the, the queen of disco and I Will Survive was the mentor. You know, uh, the you know, was her uh, mantra, and she lived this life where she really says, You know, I lost my moral compass, everything was about the music, and one day God just gives her this slap and says, This is not what I want for you, my child. And we all come to that place, and it sounds like for you, you walk through some depression and some challenges there. Talk about that. How did you? Find the way out of that depression, and an acknowledgement that, hey, it's not about the music; it's about Jesus.
1: Well, it it uh, you know I, I I was raised a good Baptist boy, <laughs> so I knew the answer. I knew where the answers were. They were you know first of all in the Word. So that's where I went in those in those early days in sort of the mid nineties. I began to really take off my theological glasses. And ask the Lord, what does this really mean? Instead of what did what was I taught that it means? You know, because we read the Bible with perceptual filters. That and a lot of them are just things people have told us about the Bible or we've been taught. And some some a lot of the things we've taught have been valid, a lot of the things I've held to. Other things you have to like read the Bible, and if it contradicts something you've been taught, you better look into it. So I I was taught that I was positionally holy, that I was positionally uh, in Christ, that I was positionally, you know, um, one spirit with the Lord. But I began to see that I am actually, and not just positionally, not just God sees me as righteous, but that the righteousness of God in Christ is in me. And it's imparted and not just imputed. Mm -hmm. God doesn't just see it. Because God can only see reality. God can't make something up and pretend that it's true. He has to actually see what's real. So he puts his actual righteousness inside of us, himself, because he's not separate from his righteousness. Mm -hmm. And then he wants us to trust that righteousness. So that's where I began to go... Oh, okay. So I have a new identity and it's real. It's not just something that God sees me as, but but in reality I'm a horrible rotten sinner just struggling to get along in this world. I'm filled with power. And that began to change how I thought about myself. And it wasn't enough. This stuff is not instantaneous. It's not like bang. It's like more like turning on the kitchen light. And then somebody comes and turns it off, and you turn it on again. Somebody comes and turns it off, and you turn it on again. And it's a practice of that, of flipping on the lights so that you can walk through the day seeing instead of bumping into things and other people and stepping on people's toes. Well, the book that your book is titled Abiding Dependence, and it's meant to introduce us to the beauty and richness of the Gospels in 40 days of meditation. Uh, What does abiding dependence mean? It it was the best phrase that I could find, you know, because Jesus said, abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Uh, You know, he that abides in me will bear much fruit. Uh, And then he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's talking about our doing. And apart from him, apart from resting and trusting and recognizing him as the reality and root and source of our lives, we can do nothing. Now, what I believe he meant is, of course, you can get up and brush your teeth without Jesus. People do it all the time. But you cannot do anything of any lasting eternal value without resting and trusting and walking with Jesus, right? Right. So, so abiding dependence means, abiding is simply recognition. It's simply getting up in the morning and going, <sighs> okay, I've got a lot hitting me today. Lord, I trust you. I invite you. I invoke you. I ask you to make your manifest presence known to me, uh, to come out from my spirit into my soul, into my body, and to and to manifest through my hands and feet and my eyes and ears and my body language and everything that I am my words so that when other people see me and deal with me what they're dealing with is this the spirit of Jesus in me coming through me as if it were me living yeah. now nobody does this perfectly you know you you forget like you know see the light switch gets flipped off we do have a, an enemy and a tempter But our job is just to keep flipping on the switch.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's part of that sanctification process, the cooperation with the Spirit. But His mercies are new every day. And you, as you go through these 40 days, I came right to the middle of it, day 20. And you address what I think is so important and core. It's titled Metanoia children of mercy and the word metanoia of course in greek it's really about the transformational change of heart and the way that the book you know topically goes through there is definitely a turning point at that day 20. is there a particular reason why you've set the book up um in this way you know i'm understanding just the logistics of this journey that you have written um you know, because we focus on the compassion of Jesus, we talk about who He is, His deity, and then our beliefs. But then things definitely take a turn at day twenty, and the focus kind of changes. Help us understand a little bit about the layout of the journey that you've got the right the reader on.
1: Well, I, I talked to um, Moody about writing, and they wanted me to write a devotional, and so I thought, well, I'll write one on it that'll encourage people about their identity in Christ. But when I got into that, I was writing these sort of unrelated devotional pieces, and I'd written probably ten of them. Some of them were used in the book. And I I suddenly thought, well, you can't talk about identity in Christ unless you talk about who Jesus is, what he did, why he came, and what he gave us. Because that's where our, our, our identity comes from. So that whole first part of the book is about that. It's about who Jesus is, and uh, it focuses a lot on his humanity and his temptability, that he was actually tempted in all ways as we are, as yes. Bruce says. So, so that's the beginning of the book, and what I wanted to do was lay out a basis for our identity, and not just something we call our identity in Christ that we're trying to believe in, But what we're doing is we are believing in the goodness and the character and the love and the kindness and the patience of a person that lived just like we do. Mm
0: -hmm. He had to
1: live exactly as we do. He could not operate as God. I grew up thinking he operated as God, but he didn't. He operated as a man who had to trust in God. Now, he was still God, He was 100% God and 100% man, but he wouldn't be 100% man if he was operating as God yeah. and using his own power, his own authority, his own omniscience. He set all that aside, and he said, I'm going to live as a man who has to be told by the Father what to do, what to say, where to go. And right. so 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 children of mercy is a. I didn't intentionally make that a turning point i think the spirit does stuff like that oh yeah i, I couldn't I, agree more I, yeah i just i just kind of like that first part was my main concern and then i just began uh writing devotional pieces and sticking them in where they where it just
0: felt like they should go yeah that is just awesome yeah
1: Well, Ron, you write about how certain words like belief and repentance are sometimes misunderstood. Can you explain the difference between these words, and can you give an example of when Christ taught the true meaning of each word? Well, like, you know, in our English belief, for instance, I can believe that the moon is, you know, I can believe that the moon is a a, a globe, basically and it makes no difference to my life right i i can believe i can believe i that jesus died on the cross i can believe that as a as a as a historical fact Mm -hmm. i can even believe that he resurrected and it can be of no effect to me because it's an intellectual belief and it's a belief is not faith in the biblical sense unless we are placing our confidence in that fact Like, I am personally going, Jesus did not just die on the cross and raise again as a historical fact, but he died for me. He lived for me, he died for me, and he he rose for me. And not only that, I died in him, and I rose in him. And so now I'm filled with a new spirit. So once I start doing that, that's faith, it isn't just belief in a doctrine or an idea. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So there's a so there's a difference between what we call belief, and we often confuse that, and and so we don't engage faith. We think that we're okay. We go to church. We listen to the doctrines, and we intellectually assent to doctrines, and then we go home, and the rest of the week, it makes no difference to our life. We have our problems. We are frustrated. We're angry. Uh, and we deal with people in fleshly reactions because we're not engaging faith we're just in, we we just have head beliefs so what the believer needs to do is engage faith and go Jesus died for me for my sins and Jesus lives for me he lives ever lives to make intercession for me right now yeah. and he's Jesus is in me to live through me with all the fruit of the spirit right this second Right? And that makes a difference. That makes a big difference when it's reliance. And that's why I called it abiding dependence. You're abiding by recognizing that he's present and real and everything that he says is true. And then it's dependence because you go, in and of myself, I can do nothing. So I'm a dependent person.
0: And it is so, so vital and important uh, because we have to recognize that anything that we are going to do in this life by our hand that is through the gift of the Lord, that is kingdom worthy, has to be done in partnership with Him, and we have to be walking in that lockstep relationship. And I love the, the tagline in the, in the book where you say, our humanity is meant to be powered by the breath of God. The breath of God, all scripture is God-breathed. His word is living and is transformative. And the more we spend in it in a daily devotion like this, these 40 days that you've laid out, Ron, uh, draws us closer to him. And it profoundly can change our uh, our relationship with him. I just want to say thank you for for the work of this and writing this because I know it, it is a tremendous effort and you have to live what you've put in paper and it is just a piece of you. And I really very much appreciate that. Respect your work as well as an artist and so greatly appreciate you spending time with us this morning.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I There have been a few times where I've... Uh, been having a a sideways day and I I go uh, open your book Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I go, oh, yeah, I forgot, you know, and we all do, we forget, and then we flip on the light again.
0: Yeah, yep, that's it. I love the light switch. Uh, It is so great. Well, Ron, we do, we've bumped up against our time. I greatly appreciate you spending time with you. Open invitation, would love to even further discuss this with you at a later date and revisit all of this, but uh, you have a spot here to speak about it and greatly appreciate you joining us this morning.
1: Well thanks so much guys I really appreciate it.
0: You're listening to mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody radio from the Word to life.